What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the hardworking happy hour. I'm Sean. And I'm Catherine. And as always, we will be breaking down all things trades, entrepreneurship, and turning your creativity into a passion career. And welcome back, everybody, for another uh, very exciting episode today. What what are we talking about, Catherine? We are going to be getting a little bit serious, but keeping it light, talking about recession-proofing your business. Yeah. Is a recession coming? I don't know. Who knows? Nobody knows. Some people say yes. Some people say no. And most people don't really know. It's just an educated educated guess at best. At best, yeah. At worst, it's just people have no clue what they're talking about. Yeah. I Hard to know these yeah. things. But, but we're going to have some tips for if one comes, because it's always yeah. been in the back of my mind. Like, hey, sure. I wasn't in business back in 2008, but I heard lots of stories. My dad was in business then. Yep. And... Uh, you know, it's something that you always got to think about because it's going to come one day or another. For sure. Either a recession, a depression, an economic downturn. Yep. Something's going to come. There's always going to be a, a, correction. Slow, a slow period. There's yep. So plenty of room to, for preparation. And we're also kind of in, I would say, in or at the tail end of really the busiest time that anybody's had in remodeling or construction of any type. So uh, even if things go back to normal demand, it's going to feel like a recession because things were so crazy with the pandemic. Everybody was home. Everybody wanted to do home projects. So uh, really good stuff to think about because if you're just basing all of your business decisions off of what's been happening the last two years and how abundant everything has been, you might not be in the best shape. Mm -hmm. So... Something to think about. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's true that the trades have been so hot recently that even yeah. just going back to normal would feel like Yeah, it would feel a like a bit of a downturn. It so, would. But it's not. It doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be if you're prepared. If you're prepared, yeah. you gotta be uh you gotta be a prepper. Yeah. Not a doomsday prepper, <laughs> but a business prepper. Yeah. Maybe you can be a doomsday prepper. I don't know. Yeah, why not? Those people seem a little crazy. Yeah, building like cement fortresses in their yeah, yards. Yep. So many canned <sighs> so beans. Many canned goods. Yeah. I'm not hmm. a big canned goods kind of guy. I got to have fresh produce. Hmm. So, well, yeah. If I'm doomsday comes, to, you're going to have to. I'm going to have to learn how to farm. <laughs> That'll be another topic but, for another day. Yeah. But uh, so what are, what are we going to get into? We're going to get into well, a lot of different. Uh, first and foremost, we need to state this is not. Financial advice. This is not financial advice. We are not offering advice. up financial advice. We are not experts in this field. Consult an expert, a trusted expert that uh, you pay to do this. We are just talking about it. Yeah. You should You should always be, you know, consulting with your accountant if you're making major business decisions. Yes. But uh, this is just, this is just, you know, us talking about what we're doing to prepare for yeah. an eventual downturn or slow period we're always yeah. thinking about that so Just planting those seeds of like starting yeah. to think about these things yep. so yeah we're going to give you some tips some strategies some some different things to think about that not only are going to prepare you for a recession or a downturn but they're also just good business things that will help you even in good times yeah just good practice for if you're streamlined in good times you're going to be really well prepared for slower times so yeah um, all around, just uh, great advice we're going to be giving you, like always, like usual. But not financial advice. We but need, not financial we need, advice. <laughs> we need to say that for sounds legality like, purposes. Yeah, sounds like so. you know that we have to say that for some <laughs> I reason. I do, yes. and we can't, we are. This is not financial advice. Bases. It's not. <laughs> okay, so wait, wait. Before we get into the episode, yeah. what are we drinking? What are we drinking? The classic. High noon. Classic high yeah, noons. Because it, you know, it's starting to get a little hot this week. Yeah. It was a little hot today. So uh, you said, I want something this... cold. Yeah. And these things are so refreshing. They are. It's very hot in this garage. So this is, it is. perfect. I got a black cherry. You have what? Grapefruit? I went grapefruit. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm the only person I know that likes grapefruit flavor things. And I, yeah, I don't love grapefruit. No. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. All right. So when we get into this episode, we're going to keep it not political obviously and maybe just touch on why experts think that we might be headed towards a recession yeah you think that's a good place to start 
Real experts, not Facebook experts. Correct. Real people who study the economic policies, you know, as a job. These are people who know what they're talking about. Um, But, you know, we don't want to get political about it. So if you want to do your own research, do your own research on what you think. We're not pointing fingers or, you know, saying who's. Who's to blame for anything? But we're just here. Hey, it might happen. Right. So just take it so, for what it is. We're not getting According to or... the experts, this yeah. is why. Because uh, inflation is really high. I think everyone kind of knows that. Yeah, everyone's feeling um, that. The war in Ukraine is kind of uh, escalating. I, I, it's... I think it's... Yeah, I don't... See, I don't understand these things, like a, these events on a global scale and how it affects a global economy. But yeah. um, I think... More than anything, it's just like the uncertainty that is surrounding right. that whole thing. Like, yeah. is there going to be World War Three? If there is, obviously, people are going to pull back. You yeah. know, there's going to everything is going to change. So I think it's not so much just the actual thing that's going on right now, but it's like the uncertainty around that. What is it going to lead Correct. to? Yeah. Which um can be a little scary. Yeah. And I mean, scary. I- that goes for everything on this list, not just the yeah. war in Ukraine. This is everything is just uncertain. And then that's what creates kind of turmoil in the market. So yeah. uh, war in Ukraine, supply chain issues. I think everyone, especially in the trades, knows all about those right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, rising interest rates, employee shortages, and uh, the overarching theme of reactionary markets. So yeah, there's just a lot happening right now. And it's kind of just uncertain times, which is not leading to a great... Yeah, and a lot situation. of the uncertainty is is a lot of times what drives some of these things um, with people pulling back on spending. Mm-hmm. You know, if people think for whatever reason a recession is coming, they're going to pull back on spending. It's not going to be, um, you know, like luxury things like a backyard or a kitchen remodel aren't going to be as in high demand yeah. because people are going to be like a little bit more cautious with the way they spend their money. Yeah. So when that is compounded across everybody in the entire country and everyone's pulling back just a little bit, it starts like a snowball effect and that's what can lead you into a recession. Yep. So we also, obviously gas prices. Gas prices. Nobody can stop talking think- <laughs> about it. It is yeah. crazy. It's crazy expensive. Yeah. That's more um, of like a, a effect, not so much a cause. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Everyone is talking about that. That is a big. Oh, it's a buzz. It's a buzz topic. Yeah. It's hot right it, now. It is, I will say it is remarkably high. It's, I was kind yeah. of team like, I'm just not going to pay attention to it because there's nothing I can do about it. But yep. it is like getting very, very high. It is. And we're working like this year, like every job is far away. Yeah. This is the worst year. (laughs) Every other year we're like at least a lot closer to where we are this year. Yeah. So I'm going through like, I don't know, $200 a week. It's like two fill ups a week at least. Yeah. So it's good. I'm driving my personal car instead of the van around too. Yeah. I might have to hitch a ride because I don't get good gas mileage. (laughs) I'm getting like 10 miles per gallon. It's rough. Yeah. But anyway, well, anyway, enough about gas. Yeah. And I also I feel like there are so many people on Facebook and, and Instagram, like just posting memes that like have one little sentence about why we're heading towards a recession. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people just need to open their eyes and realize that the global economy and economics on this like huge global scale is so extremely complicated right. it it's, is so complicated and yeah. it's so dynamic and there's so many things that go into yeah. it it's not like just that one policy that that meme is about that's like exactly ruining everything it's yeah. so complicated and a lot of times you'll see like these recessions and downturns they're happening on a global scale so it's mm-hmm. not necessarily like obviously like government policies can impact you know what's happening in your area in your country in your state whatever but when you see these global recessions, it's because we have a global economy and everything is kind of like downturning together. So there's so many causes behind it. It's really, really complicated. We're not going to sit here and pretend like we understand how the global economy works and right. what is, you know, what's happening behind it. But we can still offer some advice and things that we're thinking about yeah. in our own business to just make sure that, hey, when rough times come, they're going to come one way or the other. Yeah. You're prepared. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So that's enough about why. 
Let's talk about what you can do. Yeah. Because we don't want to be a sad sap. No, we, we just want to be prepared. We're going to be prepared. We're yep. going to be proactive in our business practices. All right, Catherine, why don't yep. you give me one tactic okay. to think about? Yes. And uh, then maybe I will throw back something that is just one of my fundamental things that I think about because I'm always sort of in that mindset. Mm-hmm. So, okay, shoot. Okay, so number one on my list, uh, create a cash flow plan. Love that. What do they say? Cash is king. Cash is king. And it also rules cash everything rules around, everything around me. me. Yeah. So. Sure does. What else? What, what, do you, you got a little blurb on that? What do, do you got? What do you got? Uh, running out of cash is always a top concern for business owners, but it becomes especially important during a recession. Start by getting a handle on your current cash balances and monthly sources and uses of cash. Create a rolling cash forecast for the next quarter to guide the management team and serve as an early warning tool that alerts them to variances. Yeah, it's I think pretty good practice all the time, all of the time, especially in construction, because depending on the type of work you do, the type of suppliers that you have, your payment mm-hmm. terms are different for all these things. You might yeah. be putting a lot of stuff on a business credit card or you might have an account with your vendor and your payment terms might be a lot different from the payment terms of your contract. So there is like a lot of times you're either you have to kind of put aside money that is a deposit for a future job and just like have that accounted for. So you know that this isn't cash that I should be spending right now. This is, this is allocated for a future project. And then also having a cash reserve so that if a payment comes due on something, you can pay that before an invoice comes back from a client that, you know, you're waiting on 10, 20, $30,000 you need to have a cash reserve so that you can get through those little things where like, I'm waiting for a payment. We needed material on this job, so I can't get the final payment because we're not done yet. You need to have that built into your financial plan mm-hmm. to just be ready. Right. Your war Absolutely. chest. Yes. Build it up. Yep. And it's so important. Like, I think that, I mean, it's fun to look at like how much money is coming in and in a business, but like creating these kinds of plans is kind of like the nitty gritty business side of your business. Yeah. So some people let that go, I feel like, and kind of neglect that, but you really need to pay attention to those numbers, especially during like a time like this, you need to know yeah, cash and debt and like really pay attention to that. You should have all your little spreadsheets and everything and pay attention to every single number. Because a lot of times contractors, you know, especially those that aren't super business savvy, they base everything off of what is the number in my account right now, mm-hmm. which is not always an accurate representation <laughs> of how you're doing. Correct. You know, you could have $50,000 in your bank account, but two weeks ago, you just took a $100,000 deposit. You haven't yeah. even started that job yet, and you already have spent $50,000 of that. Like, <laughs> Right. Normally, you'd think $50,000. That's great. But you have mm-hmm. to really evaluate, like, where's that money coming from? What needs to go out in the future? And if you're not really savvy right now on your accounting systems, you, you should be. You should start to get acquainted with, um, you know, your books and all that stuff and keeping a good tab on it. Yeah. But something that my dad and mom, they they owned a construction company growing up, they would always do something called pros and cons. Like every week or every two weeks, they would just write down a list. I don't know how sophisticated their accounting system was, but they would just do pros, which was what's money that's like out on the street right now that's coming in and what in the next two, four weeks, what is a payment that needs to go out. And that's just like a super simple elementary way to like measure your cash flow in the short term. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think a good thing for people that maybe don't have uh, their QuickBooks up to date, they're they're kind of like more of a shoebox style receipt yeah. kind of person. You can still be like, okay, I have this job. Uh, they, I have a draw coming up for ten grand, uh, but I have a truck payment in two weeks due. That's going to go out, and then you can kind of see what your short term, you know, outlook yeah. looks like. Yeah, and something I've been thinking about recently was. Um, like we haven't purchased any like large equipment recently, but a lot of people that I'm seeing on the, just on social media, they are looking to buy 
bigger things or they have something and they need to replace it or whatever. Um, But prices are up so much that I think that you kind of budget when you're thinking like, okay, I have the dingo Mm -hmm. um, and it breaks and we need to take it to get repaired or whatever. You think you have this number in your brain, but like those numbers kind of need to be updated for current times. Yeah. So you think you might have, you know, like, okay, my cash flow is good right now. But if that thing breaks, you might not have that accurate number in your brain to, yeah. to do that. So I think that um, that kind of goes with that. Like you need to have realistic numbers yeah. for these times. For sure. Brain. Because if you need a new truck, if you need yeah. a new piece of equipment, I mean, equipment's crazy right now. Like everything you have to order right. ahead of time. It's yeah. insane. So you really do need to like keep keep looking at what's in your business, what liabilities do you have, and what areas like could be problematic for you. Yeah. So I don't think, I don't think it's ever really a great time to like take on a whole bunch of overhead with like just on the hopes of future projects. Like, Oh, if I get this piece of machinery, I'll be able to do this project. Yeah. Like I think that you should start with the least amount of equipment that you can. Like we just have a dingo, the job that we're on right now, every other person would have an excavator on it, but it's not really going to slow us down too much because we can have one person on the dingo. It's going to go a little slower than if we had an excavator, but that one person can stay busy for a couple days, digging everything out, getting our base material in. It's not going to like sl- like make the project take longer. So for us, it's fine. Yeah. It's great. I don't want to, you know, necessarily take on a bunch of overhead just for this one job. Cause a lot of other jobs are smaller and it's a perfect machine for. Mm-hmm. So, Think about stuff like that. How you can kind of cut back. Yeah. So that was a good, that was a good first one. Yeah. Love that on cash flow. Yeah. Now, should I uh, try give some insight on, you know, kind of my, my mentality? I would love to hear your mentality. So I would say there's all, there was always all this talk about abundant mindset, you know, and scarcity mindset and all this Uh kind of stuff. And I think, um, I kind of tread a balance between the two and I've always been pretty good at that with, um, I think abundance wise, we can accomplish anything. We could do millions of dollars in business. We can do anything we set our minds to, but I also want to have that like financial flexibility by keeping all of my overhead low. I live in a small house. My truck's paid off. My house is almost paid off. Like all of these things, like, on that side, on the overhead side, I want to kind of have this like, I want to be like a squirrel just putting away, putting away nuts for the winter because <laughs> winter's going to come eventually. And um, that's always been something that's really important to me to yeah. keep my overhead low, keep my options open when they arise. And I think that's really important because a lot of people see stuff online about you know, we're going to 10 X everything. We're going to do this. And, uh, you know, everything is about abundant mindset and they're doing all this work. They're doing all this revenue, but at the same time, they're accruing all of this debt. And I just think it's not the right way to go for a lot of people. Some people do it and it works out great and they make millions of dollars and they're happy and, you know, their life is completely balanced. That's great. I don't think that that is the case for most people when they get into that. Like, got to spend money to make money. Yeah. All this machinery. I just, so I think that's something that people should keep in mind. Find that balance. Yeah. Have an abundance mindset when it comes to, you know, your potential and what you can accomplish, but be financially conservative. Stow away mm-hmm. those acorns. Yeah. Put them away. I like that. Yeah. Oh, do you do? I do. You do? I okay. like that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And probably we wait. We can't give financial advice. No. Or we we just can't say that it's financial. Yeah, advice. you just say it's not okay. Financial this advice. is not financial <laughs> advice. This is just what I do. Put money away in index funds. Everybody's trying to get rich on crypto right now. Yeah, crypto is tanked. Yeah. Absolutely tanked. Did you lose everything? <laughs> sure did. Everything? Not, not everything. No, not everything. But I lost a lot. Oh no. Yeah, but that's okay. It's okay. Fluctuations in the market. It was it was fun to play while I was yeah. in it. And hey, future's always bright, so. 
That's true. I, I haven't sold any of it. Technically, I haven't lost or gained anything because I haven't sold any of it yet. True, still it true, all. true. So. I'm actually like sort of looking forward to a recession because I've been, since I started investing and like saving, um, I have a couple investment accounts and they're all just index funds. So yeah. they just track the market. They've been doing great the last couple of years, but I feel like the thing that really sets people apart long term when they invest is sticking with your monthly contribution to those accounts when the market is completely tanked. Like mm -hmm. that's when you get basically a discount on any shares that you buy. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking forward to how I'll react to that. Like seeing the portfolio tanking and still putting in the same amount of money every month because yeah. that's how you invest long term. That's true. But that's not advice. That's not advice. That's not advice. Um, Just what I do. Yeah. So I think it's I would be also like, like to mental. state that not all of my savings are in crypto. That was just fun money. I do have money in index funds as well. You do? <laughs> I do. Yes. Boring. <laughs> I play risky with my crypto and then I uh, yeah. just do straight up index funds for index funds are great. Yeah. It's so exciting. They're great. Yeah. Not right now. Right now. They're yeah. Down they're a down bit, a little, but, but Hey, it's just yeah. a discount. As long as you keep putting money in every month, mm -hmm. you know, on a recurring a recurring uh, schedule. Yeah. You're going to sometimes buy when the market's high and you're not going to, you know, get as much for your money. But then you get a downturn. You end up getting more for your money. Yep. And overall, you're just looking for, yeah, like a 6 six to 10% a year average. You'll be good. Yeah. Get that compounding interest. So, um that's enough of the definitely not financial <laughs> advice uh, segment. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right. So uh, cash flow and also abundance versus conservative mindset. We've covered yeah. that. What uh, what else you got next. for us? All right. This next one, um, I feel like this is like a little dark and I don't like talking about this one, but unfortunately zombies. it is. Yeah. Zombies. Everybody's going to talk to zombies. <laughs> uh, no, sometimes when things really do... Uh, take a turn. And I think in like the crash yeah. of 2008, a lot of people had to deal with this. Um, but excess assessing your workforce and who you have on the team and Turn what, what they do. Yeah. And it sucks because I feel like a lot of people in the trades, it's small businesses. These are people, you know, it's yeah. not like you're just cutting some, you're not like, Oh, I'm cutting my general manager that I've never met before. And hopefully yeah. he's okay. But like, this is like exactly. Todd who works on your team and you know, his yeah. daughter is, an equestrian, like, yep. It's it. That's tough. If she's an equestrian, they're gonna be fine. <laughs> Doing anything with horses is expensive. Todd's gonna be fine. All right. Maybe his daughter's gonna have to cut back on the horse lessons. She might but have to cut back on the course. There's no future in that anyway. Yeah, you're there's gonna, Olympians for that. Who the horse or the person? I think the person does get the award, which is kind of unfair. That but, is ridiculous. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's you're going to have to assess your workforce and like yeah. see where what's your greatest profit coming from? Like who's the most essential people? Yeah. So, you know, assess that. Yeah. And also part of that is also as well as like teaching your existing employees new skills. So you're still getting those things covered. Those people are learning new skills, which is a yeah. positive. Yeah. That's good for them. So get um, like your skilled people to without knowing it, train the other people in what they know so that you can fire them. <laughs> you have to trick them into training <laughs> yeah. everybody else in yep. their skills. And then you hire the, or you fire the high paid people and then. Yep. Now don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't do that. That's what big companies do. And it's very sad. Yeah. It's so sad. Did you know it's people's whole job to just go in and downsize people? I saw it in a movie with George Clooney. <laughs> Did you see that movie? I haven't seen that movie. It's no. called Up in the Air. Huh? Good old rom-com. It was pretty good. He just fires people? Yeah, he goes around and he's in charge of like, he goes into like a company and he's like, hey, Todd, I'm sorry, but uh, we're going to have to let you go. That's his job. That's his he's whole like job? A consultant, yeah. God, that would be terrible. I know, but he was really good at it. It was like he was completely heartless, but then at the end, and it comes around, sort of. <laughs> it's like a Grinch situation. Sort of, but then his heart gets ripped out. Oh. You have to see it. It's <laughs> for As far as rom-coms go, it's a good one. That would be gnarly, but I have, yeah. you know. Coming from the corporate world. I've seen it. That's what they do. I've never fired anybody. Really? I don't think so. Hmm. No. People, people just quit. <laughs> do you make things like unbearable for people until they quit? 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> um, <laughs> you'd have to ask them, I guess. I don't know. I don't think so. No, I think we've had uh, very little turnover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe some people I should have fired, but I didn't. And then they ended up quitting. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Situation that takes care of itself yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, that one's like sad, but. Let's not you know, dwell on that because you're gonna, yeah. we're going to give you the rest of these tips and you're yeah. not going to have to fire anybody. Yeah, you're going to exactly. have to hire people that somebody else fired and yeah. they're going to be so thankful <sighs> that little, little, that little girl can get her equestrian lessons uh, <laughs> going again. Yep. 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 Okay. Did you want to, did you want to give another one? We're, we're going to do a back and forth situation um, or do you want me to go back into my list? Why don't you why don't you do one more of your because okay. I don't I don't have as many as you have probably so why don't you yeah. go with your list and then we'll go back to it okay um, tracking KPIs key performance indicators yep so you got to track what's doing well and what's not doing well in your business yeah and I think it's also like you have to look at not only what's bringing in revenue but what what's the cost of bringing in that revenue? So like yeah. look at your margins on things. For sure. Because in a downturn, companies that rely on high volume, low margin, if they have a little bit of pullback on that volume, all their profit gets gets taken away. Right. So I think it's really important. And that's, I've always advocated for niching down, specializing so that you can do a specific thing that's higher margin. You're in more demand. You're not... Mm-hmm really relying on this super high volume at a low margin, you can just do what you do, charge, you know, a reasonable rate for it and you, and you can make good money. Yeah. So those are the things that I think the people that have those volume businesses are the ones that are hit the hardest through these recessions and downturns and all that. Absolutely. Um, those are the people that are going to have to cut back their workforce like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. So that's something I've always advocated for. I think it's yeah. the way to go in the trades. What do you think? I mean, what do you think about um, what are the things that are important to track? What should you be looking at? And, uh, you know, what's going to give you that that little alarm bell? Like, uh-oh, KPI is going down. Need to adjust. Yeah, I I think it just goes back to that whole, like, like I said before, it might be the boring side of your business, but like tracking all of your numbers, just being so aware of those numbers yeah. and what's doing well. And I know that we all, like something that we often talk about is like where, like working with your passion. So even if like 20% of your income is coming from 80% of the work and then 80% from 20%, like you might really, really enjoy that. Like it might not be bringing in quite as much revenue, but you're really enjoying that. Like this might be a time to shift to that thing. Yeah. But then you also have to balance that with like, but I don't really like doing that part of my business. I really like doing this other part. So. Yeah. Follow your passion. That's what you think? I I always say follow your passion. (laughs) Don't follow the cheddar. Don't do it. I mean, some people have to though. Like, don't you feel like slightly differently now that you have Max to like. No, not really. Actually, no. I feel like, um. Like a little bit, I feel like I have more of a of a responsibility to like make the right decision financially and make mm-hmm. sure that um, I can provide for the family. But at the same time, I want to set an example for him that you should do something that you're passionate about. You don't yeah. have to like just do something for the money and go into work dreading it every day. Like I want him to look at me and... Be like, oh, my dad like always loved what he did. Like he was so passionate about it. He was excited about it. Like that, I want to set that example for him because at the end of the day, I would rather do that, do something that makes me happy and that I enjoy, even if I wasn't making any money. Yeah. I mean, you got to make a little bit of money, but you know, that's the example that I want to set for him. And that's like why I have a small house. I have like my truck's 10 years old now. Like I want, I want to show him that those are the important things. Yeah. If we make a bunch of money doing it, that's awesome. But if I had to pick one or the other, I would do something I'm passionate about. I think Fair, that's more important. Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, I mean, you raise I, like these little entitled kids. If you're like really killing it, you got to show them like, you know, I don't know. I don't want them to be like a little entitled brat. Like daddy told me, you know, do this, make all the money. Yeah. 
I want to be like, yeah, my dad loved what he did. It was cool. And now I build custom birdhouses because it makes me happy. (laughs) That's great. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there's two schools of thought on that. And I think, I think you're all about the cheddar. Is that what you're saying? Strictly about the cheddar and crypto (laughs) and crypto. Yep. No, I just think that like, maybe it's, I don't know if it's like in how you're raised or what it is, but some people are just like, they always, they have that hustle mind. Not that you don't have that hustle mindset, but they hustle. You're just hustling for different things. You're hustling for passion. Some people are just hustling for money. And especially when you're doing that and you're like, you have a whole family to support. You've got like 20 employees. Then it's kind of like, okay, well, I can't just track down my passion because I have to pay all of these, not only my own, but all yeah. of these other people's bills. So it's, it's, I'm not saying one is right or wrong, that it's just two different schools of thought. So uh, yeah, something about it's something to think about for sure. <laughs> and I think, I guess that kind of does depend on, when you decide what your passion is, because like yeah. I decided I wanted to do this thing and I'm really passionate about when I had one employee, mm-hmm. no kid did have a house. Me and Sarah weren't married yet. So I didn't have a whole lot of responsibility, but right. So I think if you're in that position where, you know, maybe you have started this business doing something that you definitely don't like and you have employees and you have a family, then it's definitely going to be harder to shift towards something that's, you know, maybe a very small portion of what you do now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that you're just going to be more successful in it. Like, I think if I had these employees and and all this stuff, like if I was doing something that I wasn't passionate about, then I'm not going to be able to be the best leader right. and, you know, strategize for what's going to take us to the next level because I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't care that much. Yeah. So... It is, it is tough. I guess I put myself in a position early on and I was, I was fortunate to, I guess, have that, uh, that, that thought to like, this is what I'm passionate about. So this is what I want to do. Don't care about the rest. And, uh, I think that's the way to make more money anyway, because you're passionate about it. That's, that's how you're going to be successful. Yeah. So, yeah. I love it. Okay. All right. All right. My turn. Yeah. All right, let me think. What else do I have here? Um, all right, so, yeah, something something else that I've always been very keen on is making sure that we are bringing in a huge amount more leads than jobs that we can do. We've obviously talked about this before, but that's always been something that's been in the back of my head. Like, okay, if there is a recession or a downturn, we don't need the amount of leads that we get now. We don't need 90% of the leads that we get now. We don't even need 50% of the leads we get now. If we get 10% of the incoming leads that we're getting right now, we can we can have enough work to stay busy. Yeah. So I think that, again, there's, you know, a lot of people would look at what we're doing and say, why aren't you scaling to meet this demand? And for me, I think I just want to stay lean, small, we're, we're very profitable. We have different revenue streams and all that. But if things slow down, that's completely fine because we have so many more leads than we can possibly handle. And right now that's great because we can be super picky about the jobs that we do. Mm-hmm. And then if things slow down a lot, then say we get half as many leads. That's fine. We'd, we'd pretty much be in the same position that we're in now way too many leads than we could possibly handle. Right. We filter through them. We see which ones are the best fit and that works great for us. So I feel really strongly that we will be able to like get through any recession that comes at us. Maybe we have to lower our prices a little bit, but again, we're lean. We're super profitable right now. We can afford to cut back our prices if we absolutely have to. So we have a lot of options. We have a lot of like freedom around that. So that's another reason. I think it's just always important to be marketing yourself because it's going to set you up better now and better in the future, no matter what the economic climate is. Yeah. That's my thoughts. It's a good one. You think? Mm, Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Do you want another high noon? Uh, No, thank you. Not yet. Um, Okay. So I'm going to go into something that is very near and dear to my personal heart. Sailing? Sailing. Sail Everyone away. should buy. The best yeah. investment you can make is a boat. 
by boat. Yeah. It, it I've only heard that. goes up and <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. This is financial advice. Don't buy a boat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, no. I got a, I got a pineapple one now. Ooh. Yeah. Delightful. I just sort of looked at the flavors that were in this variety pack because I don't like grapefruit, don't like watermelon, don't really even like pineapple. No? I only like black cherry. Oh. Well, why didn't you go another black cherry? Because this one was on top. Gotcha. And I didn't want to spend too much time in the episode <laughs> talking about which drink I was grabbing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we avoided think that. We, yep. This is the perfect it, That's not of time. what we're doing right now. Yeah, we're not <laughs> okay. wasting time talking about that right now. Uh, All right, yeah, what's near and dear to your heart? I really want to hear it. Can you guess? Can you guess uh, what I'm going to say? Huh. Let me think. Uh, I feel like I know you pretty well. We work in a van together. Yep, yep, yep. Animals? <laughs> Animal Animals are recession proof. Because they can eat trash. <laughs> <laughs> they can survive on anything. They can, uh, no, yeah. I've, I don't know what you're going to say. Um, your client's contra- contracts. Oh, contract Kathy coming contract out. Contract Kathy, yeah. Yeah. I think... For us, okay. we are booked out a year in advance. So no matter what happens, we already have existing contracts. Some people yeah. don't. Maybe you're just a couple weeks out and then it's, you know, you're pretty nimble and you can change on change on a dime. But for those people who do have contracts that are a couple months or a couple years, not a couple years probably, but a year or so out, um, make sure that the wording of your contract is flexible. Yeah. It has a built-in flexibility for both you and your client. Not, yeah. you know, make like, it yeah, be maybe fair. it'll be yeah, around around 100 grand. It could be like eh, around 100 yeah, grand. Yeah. That's Just how you write here. it. Yeah. Like, eh, eh, da, da, somewhere da. around there. Yeah. Maybe um, <laughs> more, probably not less. Here, sign this. But there how do are, you do that? There are good School us on it. There's a something called scope of work. That's a good clause to throw in there. And price adjustment clauses. Those are my two go-to things that keep things kind of flexible. Price adjustment clauses. You can account. I mean, you can get this language on the internet if you don't have a look. Like, you should go to a lawyer. This is not legal advice. This is not legal advice. You should go to a lawyer. Are we legally allowed to give any advice on anything? It's just all commentary. It's just commentary. None of this is advice. Yeah. Just just (laughs) commentary. (laughs) Not legal advice, not financial advice, <laughs> not business advice, just commentary. <laughs> this is a private conversation. This Anybody that's listening, it's not our, doesn't matter. Uh, not advice. Okay. All right. So go ahead. Um, but a price adjustment clause. You can find this wording on the internet if you need to. But um, there's all, all sorts of ways that you can word it that really protect you from the price of things changing, from your prices changing. There's just, it's a price adjustment clause. Yeah. So... Uh, you don't want to be too loosey goosey with contracts because then clients are gonna be like, why is this worded so flexibly? And like, yeah, this kind of seems sketchy. So like explain it or, you know, it's just part of the conversation when you're negotiating these things. Um, but it's just something to be aware of. A contract is there to protect you and to protect your clients. So in these times of turmoil or whatever happens, uh, it's just good to be protected on all fronts. Absolutely. And a lot of times. I love a contract. You do love contracts. Mm-hmm. I wish contracts didn't have to exist. I've said this many times. <laughs> Why can't everybody just be chill about things? Yeah. Uh, but nobody's chill. Nobody's chill. <laughs> there is no chill anymore. But yeah, I think that is important. And mm-hmm. like say something happens like, you know, you do have a price adjustment clause in there and material prices skyrocket and there is a downturn. Um, you know, that's going to let you back out of the contract because a lot of times if there is a huge you know financial event that happens like a a a collapse or something like that and then you go to the client and you're like i have to raise the price by 30 percent that's probably not going to be met with and okay great it's going to be like okay you know it gives you room to break the contract and remove yourself from the project yeah, and um, if you weren't careful in your wording, it's not not a no. That's not okay. It's a you have to do this at this price kind of thing. So it's like oh, you do, unless you have the proper wording that protects you from that. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. But if you have a price adjustment clause in there, then it's like okay, then you're creating that flexibility. But you can't put it in there like you just have to pay whatever. If it goes up, you're still locked in, but you don't know the price. Right? That doesn't work. The, like no. That. Okay. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, unless you got your client <laughs> to sign this really one sided contract, but I don't know who would sign that. Yeah. Probably not legal anyway. Probably wouldn't hold up in court if it's 
you that would probably be illegal. I don't uh, know. I mean, not legal advice, not legal advice, but but yeah. So essentially a price adjustment clause would allow you to like go to the client and say, this has happened. Prices have gone up by this much. We need to create a new contract based on these conditions. Um, do you agree to them? You both have an option to step away from the project, mm-hmm. um, which I think is important. And obviously it's been something that's important with right now the prices have gone through the roof with materials, but also people have been willing to pay it. So price adjustment clauses have been something that's like a very hot topic with contractors because some people got, they got soaked. Yeah. They got soaked by not having them. We didn't have them. Yeah. We ate it. We ate it. We took it on the chin. Yeah. But luckily we're very, uh, we're very margin heavy here. We're very profitable. So, we're able to. A lot of our money comes from the labor side of things because our projects are larger. So little things mm-hmm. like lumber or other material prices aren't a huge part of the overall price of jobs. So it wasn't a huge deal for us, but it still would have been nice to have that in there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's very important. Very important. Very important to do your contracts right. Yes. Um, all right. Do you have another one or should I go to another one? Why don't you go to one more and then I'll go back to one. Okay. Um, let's see. Some of the stuff we kind of already talked about. Yeah. Uh, assess your organization's risk tolerance. So kind of. Yeah. That's kind of actually check. what I was sort of going to gonna go into was yeah. you need to sort of evaluate not only your KPIs, your, you know, what uh, things in your business are most profitable, but also look at what is, what are the essential things that you offer? If you're an alcohol company, you're recession proof, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Sales usually go up. So it's very fitting that we are having some beverages, Mm -hmm. but there are different things, especially in the trades. If you're a plumber that just does emergency service, you're completely fine. Yeah, you're good to go. You can go. charge whatever you want. People need it. <laughs> yeah. Nobody's going to be like, oh, well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to shop this around. My basement is filling with sewage, but I'm going to shop <laughs> yeah, this exactly. around. Like, you're fine. It's a super essential thing. Yeah. It's not something that people plan for. If you do roofing, similar thing. Yeah. Like people, people don't look forward to getting a roof as a luxury item. Right. You know, your prices might have to come down a little bit. The market will probably get more competitive, but... People still need a roof if water is coming in their house. So, um, but things like we do, we do, a, it's a very, it's a premium service. It's right. a luxury. Mm-hmm. People don't need a backyard yes. as much as I think they kind of do. But <laughs> that's where you really need to like kind of step back and look at what, what I said, like with leads coming in and all that kind of stuff. Like if you have a very luxury based thing, high-end kitchen remodels, you know, different stuff like that. Make sure that you're thinking about these things and you're not like just barely keeping up with with the demand um, for your services because if that cuts back a little bit, you're going to be hurting because those are the things that people cut out right off the top. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. said like in 2008 that the very high-end stuff didn't suffer as much because it was more of like a middle-class recession. So... Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm just that's ask something you what to your think thought about. was like if if you do have this like luxury premium product um, and that the economy goes down a little bit and those things are kind of more those jobs are more scarce. How do you feel about a business like pivoting, but temporarily? I think that's fine. I mean, I think for us, like we don't work for people typically like our typical client isn't something someone that's like ultra wealthy because mm. like they're never affected by anything they're like ah, <laughs> i caused this whole thing just for my own personal gain you little peasant <laughs> um we don't usually work for like the uber ultra wealthy um we work for a lot of people that have done very well for themselves but they might still be in that um that arena where if there is a market collapse like they would pull back for right. sure so I think we do have a lot of room to, if if there isn't a demand for these huge projects, people might cut back on the scope of things. You know, they might just want 
a backyard, but everything to be a little bit smaller, mm-hmm. which would be completely fine for us. A lot of times we make more money on the smaller ones anyway. Um, so I think we do have a ton of flexibility, especially on the size of projects. I think we could potentially see that. Like people aren't willing to shell out as much um, during times like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think it's okay to be flexible with what you do as long as it kind of still represents your brand well. And, you know, and you can kind of forecast going back to what you do if that's really what you love. Like we love doing these bigger projects. Yeah. But if they're really scarce for a while, I have no problem cutting back and doing doing some smaller projects for a year until the market picks back up. And, yeah. and then a lot of times you'll have some of those clients that you work for are like, all right, well, you know, my uh, stocks are back up. Let's let's do something. Let's add on to it. Yeah. So, yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah. I just I feel like I see a lot of these like young guys who, uh, you know, they'll DM us and be like, we're trying to build this business and create our own brand and stuff. Um, I just wouldn't want them to get discouraged, you know, if they have to like pivot a little bit for a little while and then kind of when things pick up, go back to. Yeah. Yeah. These big dreams. And whether you're pivoting or not, like you're going to have times like it's not just going to be a straight ride rocket ship to the moon, like owning a business. This is something that I always say, like owning a business is hard. You're not always going to make the right decision. You're not going to be, you know, always success after success. A lot of times you're going to feel like you have no clue what you're doing. A recession or a downturn is going to amplify that, but Mm -hmm. you have to get used to that feeling. Like things aren't going to be easy. And I think maybe people that have recently got into business in the last two years, it's been smooth sailing because- The demand is outrageous. Everyone is booked out a year. Um, so it hasn't really been that hard. But you have to look at that and say, this isn't. these aren't normal times that are going to continue at this rate. Things are going to slow down. They might just go back to kind of a baseline. They might dip below a baseline. But it's not going to continue like that forever. So you have to be prepared for things like that in the economy in your just in your own business there's gonna be downturns when you make a wrong decision mm-hmm. and it's constantly just figuring out how to problem solve think on your feet move forward and not beat yourself up about it too much you yeah know? yeah i think we're good at that not beating yeah. ourselves up like beating ourselves up just, just enough a little bit to get to, us motivated to, to keep us going <laughs> forward but yeah. not too much to be like oh why didn't this work out yeah it's like, oh, I don't know. It just didn't. <laughs> Something right. to think about. Something to think about. Yep. Um, okay. I think this might be our last one because we're getting close to our happy hour. But yep. I know that this is something that you feel very passionately about and are currently reading a book about. So. Oh, what is it? Invest time in your client relationships. Yes. Creating, some might say, super fans. Yep. I am currently <laughs> listening to... Super fans by Pat Flynn for mm-hmm. the second time in a row. Yes. Um, love the book. It's really good. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's kind of almost in that same vein as how to win friends and influence people. Mm-hmm. A lot of the stuff is like, yeah, of course people want to be recognized and people want to feel like they're a part of something and people want to feel important and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like a good reminder and it's at the core of it, it's really basic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the people that are going to do really well through recessions are the people that have a really good relationship with their clients who have yeah. a really good reputation. Because right now, a lot of the the power is in the hands of the contractor because the demand is so outrageous. Right. That turns and then the client has more power in the situation where they can say, okay, I have five contractors that want to do this job i can be more picky Mm -hmm. so the tables kind of go back and forth like that like right now the contractor has all the power in the world like i have you know 50 inquiries and i can you know i have room for five projects i can pick and choose who i want to work for it's not always like that so in those times that it kind of flips and the client has more control um they're gonna really go with your reputation what they've heard about you all of this kind of stuff, and that's really going to be going to be important. Yeah, so there's take no care better. Of yeah, there's no better like marketing campaign than than 
word of mouth. So you create these loyal people and especially, I, I, I don't know why I always use like plumbers as my example, but like you want to be that go-to guy. So yeah, have somebody else talking, handling your market for you. And something, something else that's really important to think about now um, is while things are going really well and the demand's super high, like this is when you need to build those systems in your business to prepare right. for those those times when things get might get a little tougher. Like now is the time to separate yourself from the competition, like show off what makes your brand and your company unique because those are the things that are going to help you out when demand isn't as high. Like yeah. right now you can just pull up and in a truck and be like, oh yeah, I know how to do, uh, I know how to do decks. Yep. Uh, it's gonna be 50 grand. A lot. There's a lot of people like that out there right now because people are just spending. It's crazy. Yeah. But now is the time to really work on your marketing, work on your branding. Yeah. Work on the systems in your business because all of these things, like you don't notice the things that aren't working well in really good times. Cause it's just like, oh, I can just charge more on the next job. No problem. But when people are really cutting back, that's when you're going to need to rely on all these systems. And if you don't have them, you're not going to be in good shape. Yeah. So something to think about. Uh, yeah. I think we've covered recessions enough. Yeah. And it was heavy. It was heavy. I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders <laughs> right now. But uh, let's also put it out there that I don't know if a recession's coming. Right. I don't necessarily think so. Maybe a market correction. Yeah. So. I th and also the difference between a recession and a depression is a recession is months and a depression is years. So they're only talking about a recession. And yeah. So we just got to keep that in mind. It's only a couple months and uh, hopefully it'll get better. I try, I to, I try to be. Uh, You're very positive. I try to be very positive about it. Yeah. I don't. I don't like to think the too market's going to go back up. Crypto is going to go back up. I hope we get all my crypto back. <laughs> yeah. Catherine's <laughs> going to be a crypto billionaire driving a Lamborghini uh, to work. Um, yeah. We'll have to get a Lamborghini van. That'd be sick. Do they make those? They will for us. Because <laughs> you're going to cool. give me off the record financial advice on crypto. And <laughs> now's the time to get in, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once again, not financial advice. Um, <laughs> All right, so I think we've covered the recession stuff enough. Yes. Uh, get prepared. Be smart. Gonna, just be smart. Just be smart. It's going to help you now. Yeah. And if, if that happens to come, it's going to help you then yeah. too. So. And if it doesn't happen right now, you're just going to be in a great financial position either way. Yeah. From being prepared. You'll have all this extra money to invest in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now it's time for our secret question. And secret question. Catherine, you go first. Okay. So let's say... Yeah. You can time travel. Okay. <laughs> you can go to any period of time you want. Yep. Could even be in the future, I guess. And you have to start a business. When are you going? What kind of business are you starting? Um, <laughs> such a weird random question. <laughs> uh, okay. I am. I'm just, we were talking about recession proof businesses. So I thought yeah. maybe. You know what? Actually. I was actually recently thinking about this. Like I <laughs> this exact question. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort of in a way. I wish that I was around um, in like the '90s when like the internet boom was happening. Yeah. Like where you could just have like a wild idea and make a website and like nobody. It was just like the wild, wild west, you know. Yeah. And anything was possible online. Most of it came crashing down um, in another recession caused by the. Uh, <laughs> you know, the dot-com bubble. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think that probably, um, because it, it was kind of like, I feel like it was kind of like crypto now where like, there's like these people, they're becoming billionaires off of crypto, just mostly off of dumb luck. Yeah. But that was kind of like, it was this huge booming thing where people like money was just pouring in, but it was still based on something that like you built. Right. So it was, more based on an idea and a uh, like a dream and a process and a product, whether digital or physical, I think that would just be like a really cool time to start a business. Yeah. So. That's a good one. Yeah. Thank Real you. Real heavy, internet heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Like what that. about you? Remember, you have, think... we have to answer our own questions. <laughs> I think I would do something like, I'd go back to the 70s and I'd invent something super like random and obscure like 
Like an iPod? Like, <laughs> not an iPod. Something like, um, like the like somebody invented Velcro, you know? Yeah. Like I would go back to the 70s and I would invent something like. Like Velcro? I think Velcro is probably around before the 70s. Probably, yeah. All right. I would go back to before Velcro was invented, invent Velcro. So you would just and go back just, right before somebody else yeah, and steal their idea. Steal their idea. And then I, I just want to be, you know, you're just known as the that person who invented like you're, Velcro. Yeah, you're just like driving around in like Ferraris and everything. I'm like, yeah. What did, how did, how she, did so she get so rich? Velcro? That yeah. Velcro money. And then yeah. you become like, the, like if I had children, they would become the, the heir to the Velcro fortune. Yeah. So I think that that's a cool way to live to just like. To go back in time and steal someone's idea and get exactly, rich off of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Is it really showing your true colors? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that would be exciting. It doesn't have to be necessarily Velcro. I just think it's cool when people are like, oh, but, yeah, his family invented insert random invention. Yeah, that is pretty cool. It's kind of like hot tub time machine when like they go back in time and then they come back and instead of Google, it's Lugal. <laughs> and like I've never seen that. But that's you cool. haven't. Oh, it's good. And the other guy like steals all the black eyed peas songs and is like a really famous musician. because <laughs> of it. All right, um, I just want to live out the plot to that movie, I guess. Yeah, it's a pretty good. It's a pretty funny movie. I like it. All right, uh, my question for you. Mm -hmm. What is your biggest fear? Not like snakes or spiders. <laughs> like what is I your snakes. biggest like life fear? Like you're on your deathbed and you regret something that like, what is, what is that fear? Um, it's I deep, I know. That is very deep, yeah. yeah. Um. I feel like just not doing enough. I feel like in this life we are given just endless opportunities and I just have this whole new perspective on like personal freedoms and like like I used to live a very restricted life where like my time wasn't my own. I was working for this company and like I just felt very restricted and now I live in this world where I, I can like basically create my own reality in every aspect of my life. So I feel like when you're given endless opportunities, it feels like a waste to not just live your best life. And yeah, like there's no reason to be held back other than your yeah. own personal restraints. So I feel like that would be my, my regret if it was like, I just didn't do enough. Like I didn't make enough of this life. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. And what's you, what's your fear? Um, I guess mine's kind of similar. I think it would be just not, living up to my potential. Mm. I think that would be my biggest fear. I think, uh, what do you feel like your potential is? I don't know. Like I have to find it. You have to find your, potential. I have to find it. Yeah. Okay. But I do feel like, uh, one of my gifts that I have is I just feel like I think about things a little bit differently than most people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really special and unique. And yeah, I want to see like, where that takes me because I feel like I do have, you know, everybody has something about them that is different or special or uh, a gift in some way. And it also takes like a lot of hard work and perseverance and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think that would be my biggest fear, like not living up to my potential and knowing that, you know, I just kind of took it easy and didn't take chances and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, deep. So deep. Yeah. Mm. Went right. straight from recession to just deep life stuff. Yeah. Deathbed. I was trying to keep it light. That kind of stuff. With my stealing of inventions. and. Yeah. It just went into a black hole of <laughs> abyss of sadness and all of that stuff. Uh, but no, we are actually, I think that's that's what it's really about. It's about, you know knowing what is important to you in yeah. your life and, and making sure that you're doing that. Yeah. So 100%. hopefully we can uh, inspire you to do that yourself. Definitely. We'll see. <laughs> the world is our oyster. It is. And the world is your oyster. Your oyster. I hate <laughs> oysters. They're the <laughs> worst. Like, I don't know slimy. what that's, that's another saying. No idea what that means. I guess because sometimes there's a pearl in there. That's it. I don't know. I hate it. I feel like that so doesn't gross. go with the, the meaning of that saying. And yeah, it doesn't. And also, aren't oysters the ones that are usually cold? Yeah. Horrible. 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 Stuff. Snotty. Horrible stuff. Snotty oh, snot. Yeah. Horrible. 
Anyway, um, I think we I think we covered this enough. <laughs> we're getting we're getting a little squirrely towards the <laughs> end here, uh, but I think this was an important episode. Yeah. So everybody, uh, if you made it this far, you must really be a true fan of this because we really went off the rails at the end. Yes. But uh, please, if you could, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Reach yeah. out to us on Instagram. Let us know what you want us to talk about in future episodes. Like, yeah. how can we let bring value to you? Mm-hmm. Um, we'd love to hear it. Yeah. So. Any type of feedback, let us know. Any feedback. Good or bad. Good or bad. Hopefully it's nice. Hopefully it's nice. But if it's bad, <laughs> if don't it's hold not, back. We, we can need take constructive care. Yes, we can. All right, we got to wrap it up. Yeah, we got to wrap <laughs> it up. So until next time, this has been the hardworking happy hour. See you next week. <laughs>